Another public service announcement from Real Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Just Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done. The complete solution for your home PC. Welcome to the ravings of a clown on just the radio. The other white meat. Sad and I'm hung like planet Pluto. Hard to see with the naked eye, but if I crash into Uranus, I would stick it where the sun don't shine. Kind of like a Han Solo, baby. Always stroking my welcome. But you can call me Cookum. Let's go. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Yeah, yeah. The roof, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Let it go. Let it burn. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water. Let the motherfucker burn. All right. Burn, motherfucker. Good evening, welcome to the late ravings of a clown on Jester Radio.
Come on in, have a seat. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. All right, that'll do, pig. Hey, good evening. Welcome to the show. You're tuned into the ravings of a clown this, <clears throat> excuse me, Saturday, June the 28th, the year of our Lord, 2008. And me, moi, I, well, no one important, no one special, no big deal, just your old pal, your humble servant, your slave. The Jester, coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. Such a show we have for you this evening, including the likes of David Bowie, Neil Young, Nick Cave, and Johnny Cash, and Don McLean, and so much more. Plus, the request lines are open. Tell us what you want to hear. We'll get it on the air within 15 minutes, or I have my left testicle surgically removed live without the benefit of anesthesia. Send your requests into Request the Jester Radio. Email me personally. My personal email address is thejester at jesterradio.com. That goes directly to me. Does not stop go. Does not collect $200. So you know if you've got something to say to me personally, that's how you do it. Send me an email, thejester at jesterradio.com. Skype in. Our Skype name is Jester Radio, AOL Instant Messenger, screen name is Jester Radio 1. And give us a call, 646-502-8600, gets you live on the air with uh, whatever it is that's on your mind. Uncensored, unfettered, unflustered, unfucked. Anything the other radio stations normally do to your phone call, we do the opposite of that. Whatever, whatever that may be. Um, so in addition to that uh, extra special playlist we have, um, we also have a little empty room on it for your favorite. So let us know what you want to hear. Stop by the Jester Radio chat room at www.jesterradio.com. Click on chat and throw yourself into the thick of the fray. Hurl yourself into the um, the the uh, th the thing just pick yourself up and hurl yourself against the wall cuz i've been to paris and i've been to rome and it ain't that pretty at all time to turn our attention to the headlines from high atop just radio studios in a secret location outside your universe Sorry. But, you know, they say you got to get right back on the horse. Oh, that's better. Okay. By the way, now's a good time for you to put your feet up, put your head back, and indulge in any of those um, refreshments that you enjoy. I know the women enjoy a glass of vino from time to time. And the fellas may want to pour themselves a tall, frosty... A glass of beer. I know a lot of the f fellas out there enjoy a brewski now and then. Now is the time to do that. Or if you like the old jester and you just don't have the brain cells to spare, pack yourself a lovely bowl of green. Take yourself a nice long hit, but a human hit, and uh, sit back and relax. Hundreds of lightning-sparked wildfires have turned the air of Northern California into an unhealthy stew of smoke and ash forcing the cancellation of athletic events and other outdoor activities. Lulu was going to go over to um, check out the Big Sur today, see what all the fuss was about. 
but then somebody told her that was it was it was on fire. Health adversaries advisories. Health advisories urging residents to stay indoors to limit exposure to the smoky air were issued today from Bakersfield north to Reading, a distance of nearly 450 miles. Air pollution readings in the region are two to ten times the federal standard for clean air, according to Dmitry Stanich, spokesman for the California Air Resources Board. There's a job, huh? There's a job I'd like to have. Some areas are experiencing the worst air quality on record with the smoke hanging down to the ground like a fog. Air quality agencies are especially concerned about what they call small particle pollution. The tiniest particles can penetrate the uh, past the body's immune defenses, traveling deep into the lungs and into the bloodstream. When you have it on the scale we're seeing now, it's very dangerous to the general public, Stanich said. This is a very serious problem. And then he went on to the fifth green. Changing uh, weather brought smoke-clearing breezes and brief relief to some areas today, but it could also be bringing lightning storms similar to the ones that ignited fires across Northern California two weeks ago. Thunderstorms could strike anywhere in the northern Sierra Nevada or the northern Central Valley uh, this evening, according to National Weather Service forecaster Johnny Powell in Sacramento. The thunderstorms could also bring a small amount of much-needed rain, he said. The front was expected to pass by tomorrow, setting up a second week of abysmal air quality. The renewed threat of dry lightning and stiffer breezes that could stir the wildfires lead federal uh, fire officials to declare a red flag warning, meaning that colorblind people will die. And it's the most extreme danger, um, and this will be going on until 5 a.m. Monday for Northern California. So. Apparently, it just um, precipitously ceases at that moment. Convenient how the weather follows the clock. On Saturday, President Bush, or rather today, uh, issued an emergency declaration for California and ordered federal agencies to assist in firefighting efforts in many areas. Uh, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger had made the request yesterday. So, big fucking deal. What's he supposed to do? Of course, he's the president. Naturally, he's going to tell, tell federal agents, no, don't help. The summer has just begun. The fire conditions will only get tougher. Ruben Grijalva, director of the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, warned in a weekly radio address on behalf of the governor. The fires have destroyed 47 structured, injured 85 people, continue to threaten nearly 10,000 homes, businesses, and buildings. According to this department, the lightning sparked wildfire in the Big Sur region of the Los Padres National Forest has burned 42 square miles and destroyed 16 homes. This is like three Manhattans. The blaze, which was only 15% contained, had forced the closure of a 12-mile stretch of Coastal Highway 1 and driven away many visitors at the peak of the tourist season. And like I said, Louis was going to head over there, I I guess today, this morning. And somebody told her the Big Sur was on fire. Get this shit. Pakistan's newly elected government launched the first major assault against militants in the country's volatile northwest today. That's right. Pakistan is going after the Taliban. (laughs) We've been at war with them for seven years. And Pakistan, who's like a fucking pimple on a cockroach's ass, they're taking up the job because they're not waiting any longer. 
destroying a militant leader's hel- uh, headquarters and shelling uh, suspected hideouts of other fire, fire fighters. Why couldn't we be doing this? The offensive in the Khyber tribal region appeared to mark a refinement in strategy by the new government, backing its calls for peace deals in the tribal areas along the Afghan border with the threat of forceful action with militants who get out of line. The United States said such deals were giving militants the freedom to regroup for attacks on U.S. and NATO forces in Afghanistan with growing militant threats to the nearby Pakistani city of Peshawar and to the key Khyber supply route for the U.S. forces in Afghanistan. Pakistan took action. Late yesterday, 700 troops from the paramilitary Frontier Corps moved into Khyber for preparation for the offensive. A round-the-clock curfew was imposed in the, in the Bara area. Heavy contingents of troops blocked the main road from Peshawar to Khyber. By this afternoon, the Frontier Corps began shelling suspected militant hideouts in the mountains. Local official Mohammed Sadiq Khan said authorities blew up the headquarters of the militant Mengel Bog in a scene broadcast on a national television. Bog fled to the remote Tira Valley along the Afghan border, according to a military intelligence official in the frontier, speaking on condition of anonymity because telling us who he was would compromise his work. In recent weeks, Boggs fighters waged attacks in Peshawar in what provincial uh, officials say was uh, an attempt to prove that they wield influence outside the tribal regions and to intimidate the population, Boggs followers have also been accused of threatening supply convoys bound for coalition troops in Afghanistan. In short, it's a fucking quagmire. It's a fucking mess. The United States has been in Afghanistan for seven years. Remember, we were going to smoke out that filthy prick. And then within a year, the president was telling us, oh, he's irrelevant. That, that bin Laden, we don't even care about him anymore. He's totally irrelevant. Like, is that how it fucking works? If somebody comes in and rapes your mother after a year, it's like, well, he's not raping my mother anymore, so fuck, you know, no point in going after him. That's because these people really don't think of this as a law enforcement issue. They think of it as a war, as if there were governments and uniforms and armies, which there's not. It's just a group of fucking wackos. So uh, in war, you don't go after individuals. You know, you have a strategy. But in law enforcement, you do go after individuals. And that's all this is. There's no, there's no government we're at war with. There's no way to, for them to surrender. So there's no way for us to ever fucking win. Imagine if you woke up one day and, you know, you went down the block and you said, you know, I'm fucking going to war with that movie theater over there. Movie theater would be like, hey, whatever, you know, just because some of our, you know, pa- uh, patrons, um, you know, keyed your car. No, no, we're not going after the individual people who did it. We're just going after the whole movie theater. So the people who keyed my car are irrelevant. Presidential rivals John McCain and Barack Obama today vied for the support of Hispanics, beginning a four-month courtship of a pivotal voting constituency by vowing to revamp immigration policy. Holy shit. This is the fucking problem with kissing everybody's individual ass. First, you got to kiss the nigger's ass. Then you got to kiss the Jew's ass. Then you got to kiss the spick's ass. How about just saying, we're going to do what's good for America. If that happens to be good for you and your people, fine. But 
why are the specs more concerned with immigration than the Jews? Or isn't it the same country that they're living in? And if they don't have similar interests, then how about we just find the common bisecting interest of all Americans, not just the ones that have special interests? He said, I come from a border state, my dear friends. I know these issues. The Republican senator from Arizona said overhauling the country's, bro country's broken immigration system, not just securing its borders, will be my top priority, appearing Later, before the same audience, Obama accused McCain of walking away from comprehensive immigration reform. Democratic senator from Illinois said, quote, We must assert our values and reconcile our principles as a nation of immigrants and a nation of laws. That's a priority, and I will pursue that from my very first day. The two spoke separately to some 700 SPICs attending the National Association of Latino Elected and Appointed Officials Conference. It's the first of, this is the thing I don't get. These fucking people, and I say these people only because I mean to group them in a lump, are constantly whining about how they're treated as spics and not Americans, and then they fucking go out and they make themselves an organization of association of spics. Same thing with the fucking Jews, same thing with the niggers. If you don't want us to think of you as that group, then don't fucking get together as that group. Don't make that the fucking group. Why do black people have different interests uh, than Spanish people in America? Why do white people have different interests than black people? And if they do, and I'm saying they shouldn't, but if in fact in reality they do because they care about different things, and if you poll black people, they'll say different things than white people. If they do, then let's find the bisecting subset of interests of, that are common to all Americans. Why just appeal to fucking individual groups? I don't get that. Both McCain and Obama were warmly received. This is the thing. Unless we start really acting purposefully colorblind, it's always going to be this way p forever. Unless we just intentionally shut our eyes to what somebody's apparent um, uh, genetic or cultural background is, we're going to always be stuck. And let me tell you, don't fucking complain that I look at you as a nigger and then go out and join fucking nigger-only associations. That's bullshit. W which one is it? You can think of yourself as a nigger, but I can't think of you as one? What the fuck is that? And if you do have special interests based on your particular culture or heritage or race, then leave those out of the common politics of the United States. Then that don't concern us. If they're special to you, then they're excluded from the common. Right? Am I right? Hanging in the Jester Radio chat room, why not stop by and say hi? You know, when I look back on all the crap I learned in high school, it's a wonder I can think at all. Paul Simon starts it off this uh, Saturday... June the 28th, you're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. Don't fuck with that dial.
Since we can no longer see the light the way we did when we kissed that night, then all the things that we felt must eventually melt and fade like the frost on my window pane where I wrote, I am you, on 2nd Avenue. Art Garfunkel on Jester Radio and his uh, old ex-partner before that, Paul Simon and Kodachrome. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown this Saturday, January, January? June the 28th, the year of our Lord, 2008. We were talking before the break about, you know, all these special interests. And, you know, it used to be uh, that special interests, you know, looked after their interests themselves. They didn't think it was the government's obligation to look after everybody's, you know, little thing. The government is a, is a body of the people that addresses the common interests of all the people. If it doesn't affect you, then it's not for the government <laughs> Imagine if you're running a you know a town hall meeting and everybody in the town was sitting around discussing you know where to put the traffic lights and uh, you know what the speed limit should be on Main Street and somebody walks in and says uh, yeah I'm having an uh, issue with uh, you know my neighborhood and my backyard the fuck that's got to do with us go to your neighborhood about it or you know deal with it but somehow uh, we've come to this place where we feel like whatever our particular problem is, that it's the government's obligation to see to all of our individual special interests. And that's just not the case. The government is, uh, you know, the, the, the bureaucracy that, you know, addresses the common needs of all Americans, not the individual ones. A makeshift barrier holding back the mighty Mississippi failed earlier today swamping the low-lying part of the small community of Winfield, Missouri, and ending a valiant but ultimately doomed battle against the surging river. About 300 National Guard so soldiers worked nearly 20 hours to build a levee around a cluster of 100 homes in the floodplain after the river ripped through another levee there early Friday. Officials hoped the barrier would keep the water at bay long enough for it to recede. It didn't. Still, those in the town of 720 people said they won't forget the heroic effort to try to save their neighborhood. I figured it was a long shot, said Jan Fox, 50, who finally left her mobile home Friday night when her power went out. She called the show of support overwhelming. It was wonderful, all the people who came, the sandbaggers, the military, she said. Around town today, gratitude for the last-ditch effort was mixed with a feeling of resignation. Many were ready to move forward. It was a valiant effort, said Chris Azar of the Winfield Foley Fire Department, it's unfortunate that we couldn't do more, but Mother Nature won. Now just give it time for the water to recede. At a Red Cross shelter in Winfield High School, the sounds of hundreds of volunteer shovels hitting sand and backhoes transporting sandbags had been a fixture for days. This evening, the lot was largely quiet while National Guard troops slept on cots inside after working through the night. A handful of residents like Fox 
began to make plans to stay with family or friends or wade out the river rise. The new barrier had a steel frame with layers of dirt, plastic, and sandbags, but water began seeping below and around through midnight, and it was clear in the hours before sunrise it just wasn't going to hold. And at least 60 homes in the cluster were flooded, according to Azar. Although authorities were still assessing the damage, many other homes in Winfield sit on a hill above the river and a well out of harm's way. Winfield, 45 miles northwest of St. Louis, is in Lincoln County, which has been particularly hard hit by flooding caused by torrential rain that fell across the Midwest. In early June, County Emergency Operations spoke, spokesman Andy Binder said that 92 homes have been destroyed, 36 others have major damage, 650 can't be uh, evaluated yet because they're inaccessible. So whatever those numbers are, just add 650 to it. In nearby Foley, the mayor requested that anybody who doesn't live there get the fuck out. The way caused by vehicles driving through floodwaters was causing more problems for the already damaged homes. Mississippi is receding at Winfield and towns to the north but remains well above the flood stage. Crests are expected uh, to reach St. Louis by Monday and Cape, uh, Cape Girardeau uh, in southeastern Missouri by Wednesday. So, Cape Girardeau is uh, the floods, uh, river's flood stage is 32 feet. And they're expected to get up to 42 and a half feet. So it's just a fucking nightmare for those poor folks. Meanwhile, Zimbabwe came under threat of further sanctions today as President Bush said the U.S. was working on new ways to punish leader, uh, longtime leader Robert Mugabe and his allies following the widely denounced presidential runoff election. They had a runoff election on Friday which everybody fucking knows was a scam. Plus, uh, the cops were busting into people's homes and forcing them out into the street to go vote. You know, this is the, one of these situations where it just is, is, uh, it's, it's heart-wrenching because these poor bastards live like dogs and their government is just um, abusing the fuck out of them. And, uh, you know, these people we just ignore. I don't know why. It's not like we're getting anything out of our war in Iraq um, or Afghanistan. We're not getting that fucking 38 cents a gallon gas that they promised us. They're not greeting us in the street with candy and kisses like they promised us. But you could bet your ass that if, you know, one-tenth of those troops showed up in Zimbabwe while those cops were fucking forcing those poor old ladies and children out into the street... And hogtied those cocksuckers. Uh, you could bet that those people would be uh, greeted with kisses and candy. Earlier today, Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice said the U.S. plans. You just fucking imagine these pigs rolling down the street in their vehicles, smoking their cigars, raping the fucking women, pulling the old men out into the street, and fucking Rambo drives up in a jeep and starts, you know, kicking ass and taking names. Although these guys have names, you can't really write them down. It's got some, like, clicking. Early today, Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice said the U.S. plans to introduce a U.N. resolution as early as next week, seeking tough measures against Zimbabwe. Whoop-de-fucking-do. Why don't we go to fucking war with Zimbabwe? 
talk about how the world would be a better place. That's what they always say. Like after we, you know, we say, hey, you tricked us, you lied, you're so full of shit. They go, oh, but isn't the world now a better place without uh, bin Laden or Saddam Hussein? I, 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 no. Absolutely not. It's a much more dangerous fucking place, at least to those poor bastards in Iraq. But I think the world would be a much better place if we busted into fucking Zimbabwe, started kicking some fucking dictator ass. We're going to press for strong action by the United Nations, including an arms embargo on Zimbabwe and travel ban on regime officials, Bush said. In a statement issued while he spent the week in a Camp David presidential retreat in Maryland for a change of pace, the European Union said it would not rule out taking sanctions against those responsible for the tragic events of recent months. According to an EU presidency statement, Friday's runoff election was widely condemned by African and other world leaders. Mugabe was the only candidate. <laughs> And observers said that few Zimbabwe's uh, who went to the poll uh, did so only out of fear. According to human rights groups, at least 86 people died. Some 200,000 were forced from their homes. Most of the violence was blamed on police, soldiers, and Mugabe militants. There were reports of victims being beaten for hours and bodies mutilated. When the main targets could not be found, relatives, including elderly parents and young siblings, were attacked. The international community has condemned the Mugabe regime's ruthless campaign of politically motivated violence and intimidation with a strong and unified voice that makes clear that yesterday's election was in no way free and fair, Bush said. I don't see how it makes it clear. Just by fucking yammering your mouth away doesn't do anything. Obviously, these people have been operating this way for decades. So it doesn't make a clear and unified voice. They could fucking care less. Why not just fucking attack their ass? I mean, you could, you know, make the argument that the world would be a better place without Mugabe, right? Isn't that why you attacked Iraq? The U.S. already has financial and travel penalties in place against the more than 170 citizens and entities with ties to Mugabe, White House spokesman Emily Lorimore uh, said. The Bush administration is considering punishing the government of Zimbabwe as well as further restricting the travel and financial activities of their supporters. In, Z in Zimbabwe, Deputy Chief Election Officer Utolil Silagaiwana announced on state television that counting had finished in most wards and that, what a surprise, the Electoral Commission was waiting for results from a few outstanding wards. Results would still need to be verified by the National Command Center before being released. <laughs> They just talk as if everybody in the world is retarded. We only had one fucking candidate, but the results are still not in. Uh, Tsavangiare came uh, first in a field of four in the first rounds in March, but the official count didn't give him the margin needed to avoid a runoff against the second-place finisher, Mugabe. Uh, Tsavangiare Garai pulled out of the race after the onslaught of violence. Earlier, Justice Minister and senior ZANU-PF member Patrick Chamasa said the party was expecting results either today or tomorrow. From the information filtering in, it looks like a clear win for the president, he said. Well, phew. I don't know about you, but that takes a load off of my mind. An announcement of the res uh, result is expected before Mugabe leaves for Monday's African Union summit in Egypt so he can intend as the re-elected president.
and all those fucking uh, phony baloney presidents and princes get together in Egypt and slap each other on the back and act like they're all legitimately elected politicians. Uh, on Friday, residents said they were forced to vote by threats of violence or arson from Mugabe supporters who searched for anyone without the ink-stained finger, the telltale sign that they had cast the ballot. There was a lot of intimidation for people to vote. Uh, you can tell uh, people just wanted to get to the uh, indelible ink to protect themselves from hooligans. Uh, according to Marwick Kumalo, the head of the Pan-African Parliament Observer Mission, the Herald, Zimbabwe state-run newspaper, reported uh, today that massive voter turnout was a slap in the face for detractors who claimed this was a Mugabe election that did not have the blessing of the generality of the Zimbabweans. What? But Kamala said the turnout was very, very low. He said many of those who did uh, cast uh, their ballots uh, cast them for the other guy, Svangarai. Boycotting the poll and spoiling the votes were brave acts by Zimbabweans following the intense violence the opposition faced in the run-up to the election. Mugabe could try to use the Tsvangarai votes as evidence the election was not a sham, but they're more likely to be seen as a display of the desire to show support for the opposition leader against all odds. So it's the government's way of saying, well, we still have a few holdouts, but they'll come around. In uh, a heart transplant, survivor has added another first to her long string of mountaineering feats since getting uh, her new heart 13 years ago, a dangerous two-and-a-half-day climb up the sheer 2,000-foot face of Half Dome, Yosemite National Park's famed granite monolith. Kelly Perkins, 46, and her husband, Craig, led uh, by big wall guide Scott Stowe, began the climb on Thursday, reached the top of the iconic 8,842-foot-high dome on Saturday afternoon. The ascent completed an important circle for her. Back in 96, 10 months out of the hospital with her new heart, she finished the first of many post-transplant climbs by hiking up the easier backside of the half dome. I feel great. Physically, I feel I'm stronger than I've ever been, Perkins said by cell phone from the top of the half dome. It was a great full circle for me to climb the other side. It was a tricky climb, but it also was very interesting and beautiful. Since 1996, per Perkins has become the first person with another person's heart to uh, summit some of the world's best-known peaks. She did California's Mount Whitney, Switzerland's Matterhorn. She climbed Mount Fuji in Japan, um, the Tanzania's uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, and the face of Yosemite's El Capitan. She also climbed a remote peak in the Andes near Argentina's border with Chile and New Zealand's Mount Rolling Pin. She says she chose Half Dome for her latest climb because, quote, it's broken in half, but it still stands strong. There's a spirit-building message there. You may not be 100%, but you can still be as strong as others. I'm out there doing things and not worried about being within driving distance of the nearest hospital. With each ascent, the five foot two, 103-pound Perkins tries to get across the message that transplants can save lives and that transplant recipients can still lead active lives. She also wrote a book published uh, in 2007 about her struggles her achievements, and her goals. Isn't that beautiful? The mountain is split, and yet it still stands strong because none of us are perfect, and yet we can still accomplish great things. Isn't that uh, an amazing uh, lesson to be learned? Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's Saturday, June the 28th, perhaps. 
the year of our Lord, 2008, 646-502-8600. Give us a call. It's David Bowie on Jester Radio. Please don't touch that dial. It gets good. Starting right now. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. Seven. Sing countdown engines on Check ignition and may God's love be with you This is ground control to Major Tom
Let me put it this way, Mr. Amer. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. We are all, by any practical definition of the words, foolproof and incapable of error. Two ashes, funk to funky. We know Major Tom's a junkie. Strung out and had. <coughs> Excuse me. 
strung out in heaven's high, hitting an all-time low. David Bowie there on Jester Radio, and uh, we heard a pair from him. Before that, we heard the original Space Oddity, the original tale of Major Tom. And this one, sort of uh, Ashes to Ashes, is more in line with the sequel to Major Tom. When uh, Dave Bowman, you know, comes back and says, I'm happy, hope you're happy too. Hey, you're tuned into the Roovings of Acclaim this Saturday, June the 28th. The most powerful atom smasher. Oh, thanks, Bob. Uh, yeah, we're supposed to tell you that uh, there's uh, re- still room in the request uh, on the playlist. For your requests, send them in to requestsatjesterradio.com or simply head over to the uh, jesterradio.com website and click on request. You can also instant message us at jesterradio1. And you could Skype us at Jester Radio, or you could give us a call, 646-502-8600. The most powerful atom smasher ever built. This is some cool shit. Despite, you know, these fucking retards uh, like uh, George Bush, uh, we're still doing some cool shit. We, I mean humanity, not America. The most powerful atom smasher ever built could make some bizarre discoveries, such as invisible matter or extra dimensions in space after it's switched on in August. But some critics fear the Large Hadron Collider could exceed physicists' wildest conjectures. Will it spawn a black hole that could swallow Earth? Or spit out particles that can turn the planet into a hot, dead clump? Ridiculous, say scientists at the European Organization for Nuclear Research, known by the French initials as CERN, which, by the way, you may have heard of in the another recent invention that they came out with called the web browser, some of whom have been working for a generation on the $5.8 billion collider, or the LHC as it's known. Obviously, the world will not end when the LHC switches on, the project leader Lynn Evans says. David Francis, a physicist on the collider's huge atlas particle detector, smiled when asked whether he worried about black holes and hypothetical killer particles known as strangelets. If I thought that was going to happen, I would be well away from here, he said. The collider basically consists of a ring of supercooled magnets 17 miles in circumference attached to a huge barrel-shaped detectors. The rings, which uh, straddles the French and Swiss border, is buried 330 feet underground. The machine which has been called the largest scientific experiment in history, isn't expected to begin tests until August, and ramping up to full power could take some months. But once it's working, it's expected to produce some startling findings. Scientists plan to hunt for signs of the invisible dark matter or dark energy that make up more than 96% of the universe and hope to glimpse the elusive Higgs boson, a so far undiscovered particle thought to give matter its mass. The collider could find evidence of extra dimensions, a boon for a superstring theory that holds that quarks, the particles that make up atoms, are infinitesimal vibrating strings. How cool is that? The theory could resolve many of physics' unanswered questions, but requires about ten dimensions, far more than the lousy three that we uh, can experience. The safety of the collider, which will generate energy seven times higher than its most powerful rival at Fermilab near Chicago, has been debated for years. The physicist Martin Rees 
has estimated the chance of an accelerator producing a global catastrophe at 1 in 50 million, long odds to be sure, but about the same as winning most lotteries. By contrast, a CERN team this month issued a report concluding there's no conceivable danger of a cataclysmic event. The report essentially confirmed the findings of a 2003 CERN safety report and a panel of five prominent scientists not affiliated with CERN, including a Nobel laureate, endorsed its conclusions. Critics of the LHC filed a lawsuit in Hawaiian court back in March seeking to block its startup, alleging that there was significant risk that operation of the collider may have unintended consequences which could ultimately result in the destruction of our planet. One of the plaintiffs is this guy Walter L. Wagner, a physicist and a lawyer, and he said on Wednesday that CERN safety report released on June 20th has several major flaws, and his views on the risks of using the particle accelerator had not changed. On Tuesday, U.S. Justice Department lawyers representing the Department of Energy and National Science Foundation filed a motion to dismiss the case. The two agencies have contributed $531 million to building this thing, and the NSF has agreed to pay $87 million of its annual operating costs. Hundreds of American scientists will participate in the research. So when they flip it on in August, we'll give you a little heads up. And if you find that you're swallowed by a black hole, then I guess this guy was right. And if it doesn't, holy shit, man, the cool shit that we're going to find out. I'm so psyched. Lester Levitt has made a request of his family oppose their church's opposition to gay marriage. Levitt from Pompano Beach, Florida, is asking his siblings and his children on the West Coast to choose family over a call from Mormon church leaders to support a November ballot initiative to define traditional marriage in California's constitution. These people are so insecure and so worried about their own marriages being undermined. If homos get married, what does it mean about my marriage? I mean, what does anything mean about your marriage? Uh, But they're so worried about it that they actually want to change the constitution to say, oh, and marriage only means men and women. Not two men or two women. That's disgusting. So they don't say it's disgusting, but that's what kind of what it implies. So this guy from Florida who's part of this Mormon church family, he sent an email around to his family saying, hey, please don't vote for this. I'm a homo, and it would hurt me. Since the letter began circulating on the web last weekend, hundreds of Mormon blog posts have expressed disbelief Disappointment and outrage at the church's decision to wade into politics. A lifelong Mormon who came out as a gay man in 2004, Levitt wants his California relatives to walk out when Monson's letter is read. I thought by asking my family to do this, I was simply asking them to send a strong message to Salt Lake City that they disagree with the idea that any church has the right to entrench clearly religious dogma into the constitution of a state or a country. He wrote in a letter posted on an internet discussion group called Q Saints. I was just asking them to defend my civil rights. Levitt has worked as an activist on behalf of gay Mormons and his weathered and excommunication attempt. He said Monson's letter was a disappointing last straw and sent a certified letter to the church's Salt Lake City headquarters asking to have his name removed from the rolls. I wanted to remain a cultural Mormon, Levitt said on Thursday. He's 44. I thought there was a way in opening up, but all of a sudden the church decides this, and I'm not going to wait around. Officially, the Mormon church teaches that being a homo is a sin. 
although celibate homos can remain active in the church callings and activities. Since the 1990s, the church has been politically active in defeating same-sex marriage initiatives uh, nationwide, including asking its members to vigorously help pass California's Proposition 22 back in 2000, which prohibited California from legally recognizing gay marriages performed outside the state. Still not really 100% sure what is the deal with this. Why do people feel that, you know, it's not, it's not good enough for them to practice their own beliefs, but that in order for their shit to work, all the rest of us have to do it too. If you think that homosexuality is a sin, then don't be a homo. If you think that marrying another guy is a sin, then don't marry another guy. What the fuck does that have to do with me? I don't believe the shit that you believe. So why does it ruin? So their answer is, well, it fucks up my shit. Um, if we allow homos to get married, then our children get the wrong idea. We're exposed to this disgusting thing. And these people apparently really don't get the whole America thing. That being individual rights trump the good of the community. That if it's good for the individual, that's the most important thing, individual liberty. That's what the country was founded on. So it's okay for you to have your beliefs and your practices um, just as long as you don't impose them on anyone else. That's probably the definition of America right there. And let me tell you about my childhood a little bit. My daddy left home when I was three, okay? And he didn't leave much to my mom and me, just, you know, this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. And I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. You heard me. Well, here's my story. Well, my daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much to Ma and me, just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Now, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. Well, he must have thought that it was quite a joke and it got a lot of laughs from lots of folks. Seems I had to fight my whole life through. Some gal would giggle and I'd get red and some guy'd laugh and I'd bust his head. I'll tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue. Well, I grew up quick and I grew up mean. My fists got hard, my wits got keen. Roamed from town to town to hide my shame. But I made me a vow to the moon and stars I'd search the honky-tonks and bars And kill that man that gave me that awful name Well, it was Gatlinburg in mid-July And I'd just hit town and my throat was dry I thought I'd stop and have myself a groove At an old saloon on a street of mud There at a table, dealing stud Such a dirty mangy dog that named me Sue well, I knew that snake was my own sweet dad from a worn-out picture that my mother had. And I knew that scar on his cheek and his evil eye. He was big and bent and gray and old, and I looked at him and my blood ran cold. And I said, my name is Sue. How do you do? How are you going to die? Yeah, that's what I told him. 
Well, I hit him hard right between the eyes, and he went down, but to my surprise, come up with a knife and cut off a piece of my ear. But I busted a chair right across his teeth, and we crashed through the wall and into the street, kicking and a gouging in the mud and the blood and the beer. I tell you, I fought tougher men, but I really can't remember when. He kicked like a mule and he bit like a crocodile. I heard him laugh and then I heard him cuss and he went for his gun. I pulled mine first. He stood there looking at me and I saw him smile. He said, "Son, this world is rough and if a man's gonna make it, he's gotta be tough. And I know I wouldn't be there to help you along." So I give you that name and I said goodbye. I knew you'd have to get tough or die, and it's that name that helped to make you strong. Yeah, he said. Now you just fought one hell of a fight, and I know you hate me and you got the right to kill me now, and I wouldn't blame you if you do. But you ought to thank me before I die for the gravel in your guts and the spit in your eye, 'cause I'm the that named you Sue. I got all choked up and I threw down my gun. Called him a paw and he called me a son. And I come away with a different point of view. And I think about him now and then, every time I try and every time I win. And if I ever have a son, I think I'm gonna name him Bill or George, anything but Sue. I still hate that man. All right, thank you very much. Just before we ask the Statler brothers to come back out, we'd like to ask the Carter family and Carl to help us out on a fine spiritual. That we've got a lot of requests to do. Peace in the valley.
a girl just down the aisle Oh, turn and see her smile You can hear the words she wrote As you read a hidden note Oh, to live on Sugar Mountain With the Barkers and the colored balloons You can't be twenty on Sugar Mountain Though you're thinking that you're leaving there too soon You're leaving there too soon Jester Radio goes out to Anita in Perugia, Italy, where I've never been, but they have that famous college there. I really love that song. Uh, it's from the year I graduated high school, and I remember everybody sort of having to learn to play that song. If you had a guitar, then you were required to know that song. And it really brings you back. Sometimes there are just certain things you hear or smell or see that really do more than remind you, they kind of transport you. 
and you're like in a different place, and that's one of them songs. Johnny Cash before that, boy named Sue. You're tuned into the ravings of a clown this Saturday, June the 28th. For at least a decade, the Supreme Court has decided, or rather declined, to rule on the use of lethal injections and whether the death penalty applies to anyone who rapes a child. In its term ending Friday, the high court issued decisions on both, but neither solves the bitter fight over capital punishment. Death penalty opponents have instead promised even more litigation, claiming lethal injection can cause excruciating pain. And if we're concerned about whether or not somebody you know, feels pain, there is actually an amendment in the Constitution that bars um, you know, inhuman treatment of people, then we're concerned, then we have humanity, then we're concerned about you know, what people go through, even bad people, even people that we find raped a child or killed you know, your mother or raped your mother. Um, and that still we retain our, our humanity. So why not just extend that a tiny bit more? So as a society, we have a cap on what we will do, on how far we'll go, what line we'll cross. Certainly, we won't uh, hang up you know, rapists on a cross or torture them. So there's a cap. So let that cap be the fucking death penalty. Let's just say like every other normal uh, country in the world that that's going too far, that humans shouldn't kill other humans and let the state make an example of that by not doing it themselves. Since we don't really fucking kill them anyway, we let them sit in jail for, in many cases, longer than the actual lifetime of the person that they killed. We just had this a couple of weeks ago where some guy was on death row for 19 years and he killed a fucking 13-year-old kid. He was alive four more years after he killed the kid than the kid lived his whole life. So that's not a death penalty. That's a joke. And, of course, the conservatives say, well, if them fucking homo Jew faggots would just get out of the way and let us kill them the way we want to, but that's the way it is. This is America. There will always be homo Jew faggots. There's no getting rid of us. We're the other side. We'll always be the voice of reason. That's the balance. That's the system. Checks and balances. It's built into every corner of American politics that's the system so if that doesn't work for you then you get the fuck out everybody has to compromise and it's true that if you could just if the if it weren't for the people of noble thought and mind and those people who are concerned about higher things than their own gut reaction i remember uh, there was this guy whose head caught on fire in texas uh, many years ago. And when they asked the governor, who at the time happened to be the mentally retarded George Bush, uh, you know, gee, isn't this sort of violate the Eighth Amendment? He kind of sneered and said, well, I guess this will teach people not to commit murder in the state of Texas. <laughs> As if people bursting on fire at the, in the moment of passion that you're about to murder somebody, you're going to think, wait, no, wait. They may put me in the electric chair and my head may catch on fire. No, I, don't, I, I, I think men of reason have agreed that the statistics show that the death penalty is not a deterrent for murder. If you raise the death penalty, it doesn't lower the murder rate. In the moment of 
heat of passion, the um, law does not dissuade you. There, there could be other things that dissuade you, but there being a prohibition against it is not going to work on stopping you from doing it. So instead of focusing on this phony baloney deterrent thing, let's just call it what it is. It's punishment. When somebody breaks the law, it's not for their good. It's for our good, society's good, to isolate them from society so they don't commit the crime again and make us feel better that they feel bad. That's punishment. We call it justice and all kinds of noble things, but it's just this innate chemical function that when somebody um, interrupts the free flow of you know interaction in the clan, that we have to eject them from the clan. Doesn't work. So why not just do that? Why not just lock them away? Uh, lock them up for life. And just put a fucking cap on that's how far we'll go. And get off this stupid argument. The thing that cracks me up is these people are the se- who are for the death penalty are the same people who whine that we can't fucking use uh, stem cells from aborted fetuses to improve life, quality of life, by curing diseases. Because we want to live in a culture of life, not a culture of death. We believe in the you know, uh, first uh, commandment of God. These are the same fucking people. In disparate decisions, the court ruled in April that fatal injection, when done properly, does not viol- violate the Eighth Amendment protections against cruel and unusual punishment. On Wednesday, justices declared killing child rapists does violate it. And with its early decision, some legal experts say that will most affect death penalty challenges, not for what it clarifies, but for what it doesn't. This spring's ruling was based on one of Kentucky's executions that encountered no problems while officials administered a a three-drug injection. They have this uh, lethal cocktail where the first one um, puts you to sleep, the second one paralyzes you, and the third one kills you. But we wouldn't know if that third one is causing uh, cruel and unusual levels of pain because they're paralyzed from drug number two. Uh, Defense attorneys argue the use of that protocol risked causing cruel levels of pain, but the court established that challengers must prove substantial risk of serious harm. Sparse evidence presented by defense attorneys in the Kentucky case did not meet that requirement, justices said. Yet, say several death penalty experts that the new standard establishes a threshold while simultaneously opening a door to cross it. Defense attorneys who can document that botched executions have caused serious suffering could uh, gain great inroads for their death row clients, those experts said. This uh, presents not just an opportunity, and this is another problem, is that everybody here, again, has their own fucking special interest. Um, It's the death row inmates' attorneys that are fighting against this, not men of goodwill, who think that uh, there's something wrong, those are the people that should go to court that have no vested interest but think that, they're, that they don't want their state in the business of killing people. And the people that they're fighting against are the people that want to fucking put their prisoners to death. They promised their constituents that they would hang them and hang them high. And now that they got them, they want to kill them because they know that their fucking constituency are a bunch of fucking bloodthirsty Mongols And that's what gets votes. 
This presents uh, such challenges have already occurred in California, which the nation's has the nation's highest death row population at 669, and Texas, of course, which, as you all know, executes more inmates than any other state. Last week, Delaware attorneys seeking the abolishment of lethal injection filed court papers saying an inmate three years ago suffered inhumane treatment during a botched execution that left him awake but paralyzed. Advocates for capital punishment, meanwhile, say lethal injection is humane and claim that the justice's decision as a victory. And by the way, nobody believes killing somebody is humane. It's the exact opposite of humane. And the people who claim to have some kind of fucking moral high ground, um, (laughs) they just lose everything in their argument to say, yeah, we should be fucking killing people. Where's the fucking ethics in that? So really, it's just about, you know, kissing somebody's ass. This whole lethal injection thing was invented back in Oklahoma by a coroner in 1977, and it hasn't changed at all since then. It was designed to avoid distasteful deaths associated with the electric and the gas chambers, executions in which some inmates have been uh, set on fire and have choked and convulsed from the toxic fumes. Lethal injections was a less objectionable, prison official said, and its paralyzing agent would ease the discomfort of the witnessing executions. By the way, strictly speaking, I have no problem with some scumbag writhing in pain for four or five minutes and everybody getting to watch. That's not the point. You know, that's my prurient fucking wish. But um, if I check my emotions at the door, and you know, this is another little trick that the Republicans always do, is they say, well, do you believe in the death penalty? No. What if they raped your mother? Your mother, they killed your mother and they raped her, they raped her up the ass with a broom. Then would you believe in the death penalty? So here's the deal. If it's immoral, (laughs) then it doesn't matter if it's your mother. In fact, that's why it's called immoral, because it's something that's hard to stick to. And it takes strength and courage to adhere to, even if it's your mother. So I believe stealing is wrong. I don't believe that if my children are going to starve that it's okay to steal. I think stealing is still wrong. Would you let your own child starve to death rather than steal food? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's my ethic. That's my moral code. That's the way I roll. And I live by that. I'm not telling you to live by that. I'm just saying that otherwise it doesn't fucking count as an ethical code. So if you think murder is wrong, then regardless of what the emotional package is that goes with it, if it's your mother and there's a broom involved, then you should be calm and reasonable and still feel the same way as if it's some complete stranger. Still feel the same way as if the victim was a bad person. Shouldn't matter. Lawmakers budgeted just $100 million for damages when they reopened the government's discrimination settlement with black farmers. Probably should have handed over a blank check with more than 70,000 potential claimants. The liability could exceed three billion times, three times what was paid out in the original 1999 agreement. Apparently, back in 99, a bunch of black farmers came forward and said, we haven't been getting... Uh, loans and, uh, you know, benefits like the honkies have been getting. And they sued the government. The government 
like invented this hundred million dollar arbitrary cap to this lawsuit, which was quickly snatched up, and now there's some fucking seventy thousand other black farmers out there who say that they now have claims. And whether they were specifically discriminated against or not, just that the fact that they're black and they're farmers qualify them. Because you discriminated against other blacks, and if I had gone, you would have discriminated against me. The settlement was reopened thanks to legislation added to the Farm Bill passed last month. It illustrates how lawmakers often manipulate the pay-as-you-go budget rules to give the appearance that they're balancing the federal checkbook. Supporters acknowledge that the $100 million was an arbitrary amount that will not come close to covering the actual cost. Yet the measure ran into little opposition during the month-long debate on the farm bill, mainly because of the artificially low price tag. The reality is that we had to fix some dollar amount to this provision because that's what the House rules require, said Representative Arthur Davis, uh, lead sponsor of the proposal. With a higher estimate, he said lawmakers probably would have stripped the provision. The decision to allow new claims... So we lied. Yeah, what's your point? The decision to allow new claims comes almost 10 years after the Agricultural Department settled a class action lawsuit brought on behalf of thousands of black farmers, the farmers mainly from rural areas in the South, alleged that local USDA offices routinely denied them loans, disaster assistance, and other aid frequently given to the honkies, practices that often drove them out of business. At that time, 22,500 farmers filed claims. Nearly two-thirds were awarded with a total of $981 million in damages, including one Virginia farmer who got $6.6 million. Estimated 73,000 others were denied payments because they missed the October 1999 deadline for seeking claims. Many said the six-month filing period was too short and they were unaware of the settlement until it was too late. Wah, 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 wah. So they're looking, everybody's looking to reopen this thing. Um, they're calling it like another Tuskegee but uh, these people didn't get gonorrhea, and not all of them actually were discriminated against. They're part of a, a, a class that experienced discrimination, but they not all 70,000 of those farmers were actually discriminated against. I'm all for people suing the you know people that fuck with them, but not you know just because somebody that the same color skin as them got fucked with. That is, you know, it's like these reparation things. You know, we all take the world as we find it. Uh, my relatives were constantly whining about the 5,000 years of slavery that they went through back in Egypt. Really hasn't fucking, uh, you know, caused a drop of sweat on my brow. So while they may have this fucking slave mentality because it's part of their culture, each human is born... Uh, with their own set of circumstances. I'm an American, but I'm not responsible for throwing away the Indians. I'm a Jew, but I don't feel the suffering of my ancestors who were forced to labor in the hot sun. I take my world as I find it. So if you discriminated against my father, then that's... That, that's too bad for me. And that may have, you know, um, somehow degraded, uh, you know, indirectly my quality of life. But the courts are not there to fix all the incidental and indirect results of things. They, they, could, they could never do that. They could never set everything straight. It's not that fair a universe. We try as a civilized people to get together and put people back whole if they're, you know, 
uh, they themselves were damaged, but not their kin and their kin's kin. So we need to get away from this fucking victim mentality. Oh, you know, you discriminated against my kind for centuries, and that means that I'm, you know, uh, still suffering from that. Fuck that. If I'm discriminating against you specifically, then you have a claim. If I take advantage or rip you off or discriminate against you because, um, you know, you're black or you're gay, then yes. Then you, you know, then you got something to bitch about. But if my father did it to your father, fuck that. <laughs> I got nothing to do with that. Hey, it's Saturday, June the 28th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Hanging in the Jester Radio chat room with Lulu. There's nobody in there but us, too. So we're going to just start having sex as soon as I get on break. Unless you want to come in. And then we'll abruptly stop. As you know, Lulu is a... Um, by day, a uh, mild-mannered teacher of retards and cripples uh, from West Texas, uh, wife of the uh, minister. Uh, but by night, she runs a uh, bondage S&M uh, webcam site. So you should uh, stop by and say hi. I was all right for a while. I could smile for a while. But when I saw you last night, you held my hand so tight when you stopped to say hello, and you wished me well, but you couldn't tell I was crying. Don McLean on JR. Leave it where it is. I was alright for a while. I could smile. But when I saw you last night You held my hand so tight When you stopped to say hello And though you wished me well You couldn't tell That I'd been crying Over Left me standing all alone, alone and crying, 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 crying. It's hard to understand that the touch. Of your hand can start me crying. I thought that I was over you, but it's true, so true. I love you. Darling, what can I do? Oh, you don't 
the girl I have in that merry green land. I love fair better than thee. And the wind did howl, and the wind did Just for a kiss or two And with a little pen knife held in her hand Well, she plugged him through and through And the wind did roll And the wind did Seeds on Jester Radio, Henry Lee, The Sad Story. Searchers before that, Needles and Pins, uh, and the Searchers, so named, they um, were you know formed uh, in the wake of uh, uh, the movie of the same title in 1956, and they were just basically a knockoff of the Lonnie Donegan, you know, Rock Island line skiffle sound, they called it back then. And they were kind of more of a business than a um, group, if you will. And they changed personnel a lot around, you know. So they're when you think of the Searchers, they're really a bunch of different bands. But mostly they were built around this 12-string, you know, sound with, you know, great vocals. And um, that was uh, really the, the, the culmination of the, of the four of the best of them. Um, the Michael Pender and um, who was you know originally with the Martinis and um, 
the you know Confederates and uh, this guy um, McNally, and then they got this drummer. They replaced uh, Norman McGarry with Chris Crummy, who quickly changed his name to Chris Curtis. So McMin it was really McNally and Pender, and uh, this guy Chris Curtis and Johnny Sandin, who was you know they were originally actually Johnny Sandin and the Searchers. And so they sort of uh, knocked around, but it was that quartet that had the, you know, all the the best hits for me. Um, Needles and pins feel a whole lot better. Um, what have they done to the rain? And so on. All have that sort of twelve-string, innovative vocals. Um, and I love these sort of risky vocals where people say shit like needles and pins, uh, and then I just don't give a fuck. Hey, uh, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this Saturday, June the 28th, hanging in the Jester Radio chat room with Madame Lulu, the dominatrix. What I'd stop by and say hi. Wisconsin sculptors, by the way, 646-502-8600 gets you live on the air. Everybody's so shy tonight. Why so shy? Oh, there was some... Uh, Bob gave me a piece of paper before. There were some dedications, I guess. Some of those tunes go out to people, and we wish you well. A Wisconsin sculptor's version of a historical painting is a bit cheesy. Troy Landwehr has carved a version of John Trumbull's painting, Declaration of Independence, in a 2,000-pound block of cheddar. Just the idea of a 2,000-pound block of cheese. How fucking frightening is that? Can you imagine the odor in the room? The artist painting, I get like a little vomit in my back of my throat, just thinking about it. The artist painting of the historic signing hangs in the Capitol in Washington and graces the back of the $2 bill. The cheesy version is to be displayed near Independence Mall in Philadelphia for July 4th. <laughs> then return to Wisconsin. Because they're not done with it yet. You don't throw out a hunk of cheese like that so quickly. To be shown at Landwehr's Kerrigan Brothers Winery, the cheddar will eventually be cut up and sent to food pantries. So the poor will eventually get to eat it. The, it's Landwehr's, Landwehr's second project for Kellogg and their Cheez-It cracker brand. Last year he did several renditions of Mount Rushmore from Cheese. New Mexico appeals court on Friday ruled against the Los Alamos man who wanted to change his name to a phrase containing a popular four-letter four obscenity. The man appealed after the state Supreme Court uh, district judge in Bernadillo County refused his, his request to change his name to fuck censorship. <laughs> judge Nan Nash ruled that the proposed name was obscene, offensive, and would not comport with common decency. What? The man whose current legal name is Variable argued on appeal. His name is Variable. His friends call him Vary. He argued on appeal that it was improper government censorship to deny him his name change. We do not believe that the district court's action infringes on petitioner's right to free speech. A three-judge panel of the Court of Appeals said in its ruling, a man has the right to call himself whatever he wants unless there's fraud or misrepresentation involved, the judges said. But once he seeks court approval for a name change, the court has the authority to turn him down on several grounds, including if the name is offensive to common decency and good taste. This is the problem, people. This is what I'm talking about. This is the problem with giving your government these powers, is they use it. They actually tell you 
what you're allowed to fucking change your name to. Can you imagine? Somehow, you know, along the line, we set up an office that was to, you know, register name changes. But since we gave this office to the government, somehow along the way, they mangled it and translated that into meaning that they can also pass judgment on whether they will or they won't. Not that they're just you know, dumb bureaucrats copying shit down in a ledger, but they're actually empowered to decide. It's one thing to set up a government office to issue fishing licenses. It's another thing if those people at that office become drunk with power and to start and start indiscriminately denying those licenses to certain people based on what they consider to be their intention. You want to... Uh, of catch this kind of fish or you want to bring this kind of people to the fishing hole? No, we're not giving you a license. So this government bureaucracy that's meant to keep track of people's names has somehow fallen into this uh, a belief system that therefore that empowers them to uh, decide which names are okay and which aren't. The law was clarified in a 2004 case in the same court that apparently involved the same guy. In that case, an Albuquerque man whose name was Snap Happy Fishuit McCulligan got <laughs> the go-ahead from the appeals court to change his name to Variable. So that's the same guy. And he thinks that um, you know, probably doing this draws attention to this issue that we are a government, you know, we've the, the system was set up as a government of the people, but this government has run amok. It's become um, just too difficult. Every single aspect of dealing with the government is just excruciating. And this is because, you know, uh, power and stupidity rise to their own level. They're like water. And when you work in an, you know, it's everybody's human uh, tendency to want to uh, take whatever is good you got going in your life and make it better, increase it. That's human nature. So these people who have these jobs want to raise these jobs. So they go from a job of mindlessly, you know, uh, documenting facts to being in a power, a position of power and judgment. They elevate themselves. So. Why does it just happen? Well, we have this amazing system. Our, our founding fathers foresaw this aspect of human nature to constantly want to improve oneself by, uh, you know, adding these checks and balances that everything has a system. Everything in the system has something to balance it out so that everybody's sort of watching each other's ass. And the system there is the power of the vote. You can go out and elect people who don't regard government as having the power to tell you what your name is allowed to be, but sees the government as, at best, the bureaucracy of cataloging it and taking that information down for your convenience, not for its, because the power in America goes to the individual. Individual liberty, so the Founding Fathers said, trumps everything. Nothing is superior to that. Have you seen the old man who walks the streets of London? Kicking up papers with his worn-out shoes. In his eyes you see no pride. Hands held loosely by his side. Yesterday's papers. 
telling yesterday's news. So how can you tell me you're lonely and say for you that the sun don't shine? Let me take you by the hand and I'll lead you through the streets of London with Ralph McTell. You're on Jester Radio. Have you seen the old man in the closed-down market Kicking up the papers with his worn-out shoes In his eyes you see no pride and the loosely at his side Yesterday's paper telling yesterday's news So how can you tell me you're lonely And say for you that the sun don't shine Oh, let me take you by the hand And lead you through the streets of London I'll show you something To make you change your mind And have you seen the old girl who walks the streets of London? Dirt in her hair and her clothes in rags. She's no time for talking, she just keeps right on walking. Carrying her home into carrier bags. So how can you tell me you're lonely And it's safe for you that the sun don't shine well, Let me take you by the hand And lead you through the streets of London I'll show you something To make you change your mind Cafe at a quarter past eleven. Same old man sitting there on his own, looking at the world over the rim of his teacup. In each tea lesson, and he wanders home alone. So, how can you tell me? Your lonely safe for you that the sun don't shine Or let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London I'll show you something to make you change your mind seen the old man outside Seaman's mission Memory fading with the metal ribbons that he wears And in our winter city the rain cries a little pity For one more forgotten hero and a world that doesn't care so how can you tell me that you're lonely? You say for you that the sun don't shine. 
Let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London. I'll show you something to make you change your mind.
Hey, you're live on the air with the Jester. Who's calling? Hey, Chewy, what up, bud? I'm just listening to how full of shit you are. Yeah, why is that? Oh, man, you must be a liberal. Well, yeah, man, I'm... Uh, are you a Democrat, too? Uh, no, I'm not a Democrat, but I'm I'm a liberal. I think liberal oh is a good thing. It means you're open-minded and you're open to new ideas. Isn't that a, a good thing? A good thing, yeah. It's a good thing. <laughs> Jeez, man. You're one of those people that feel that you should hang them and hang them high. Isn't that what you're saying? <laughs> Just hang them. No, I'm talking about you were the, the founding fathers, and you were talking about the individualists and all this. Right. Oh, man, I was, thought I was going to puke. I couldn't believe you said that. Why our is that? Father, our founding fathers... Uh, oh, God, I'm just hearing myself. Let me turn this down. Turn I down your radio, me. son. Yeah. But uh, you were talking about the founding fathers and individualists and stuff. This country was built as of the people, for the people, by the people. That's how come they don't want anybody to name themselves uh, uh, some young porn queen star when you're sitting in the in, in the classroom and they, the teacher calls row, you know, Billy here, Johnny here, uh, ass fucking <laughs> <up> here. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's... It's what? It's more, but it's more important. The founding fathers put individual rights above the, the rights of uh, the group. So they felt that it was more important that we should be able to name ourselves and our children anything we damn well please than, than it, it, even if it offended people. That was okay with the founding fathers. No, I don't think it was. I don't think they would have. I don't think they would have. I don't think that's. Let, me, let me ask you this question What is the harm? If somebody says fuck face in a public school, what exactly is that harm? Well, I mean, what, what what damage does it do to your children to hear four letter words? Well, probably none because they probably hear them right here at home, but that's beside the point. That, <laughs> no, that is the point. You're saying you're claiming that you you would be offended to have the name spoken out loud in the classroom. But I'm asking why. What's the offense? Are you just looking for a fucking reason to be offended, or are you really offended, or don't you give a shit? No, I think I think you know. I think the majority of the people are offended by that crap. And that's what is a, what is? And a, I think that's what's wrong with the country now. Is, is all these liberals are just loosely translating, uh, screwing around with the, with the damn constitution and, and, and changing it to, to however they want it. You know, by saying, "Oh, the, for we want freedom. Let's let's name. Let's be able to name ourselves whatever we want." You know, in in the name of uh, freedom. You know, that's just doing it. That's just doing it because you can. I mean, it's stupid. Well, it wasn't just because he can that he wanted to change his name to uh, fuck point. fuck censorship. He, just to make a point. Yeah. Right. To, well, that's free. That's what free speech is. Yeah. Everybody gets to make their point. Well, I understand that, but I mean that's. You know, it's going beyond reasonable. Well, there is such a thing. I agree with you there. There is such a thing as beyond reasonable. But the question is, is that beyond reasonable to be able to name your kid "fuck" or yeah. "kiss my ass"? But that's that's the question. Is that? Hey, why don't you change your name to "common decency"? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. That is true. And maybe that's what we need a lot more of: is people, you know, doing it. Maybe protesting is okay, but maybe doing it with a little more finesse and a little bit more savvy 
So yeah, isn't it? It's not, all about you know the country is, is so far downhill now because, in my opinion, you got these San Francisco liberals like Nancy Pelosi, and oh my God, I could go on, but I won't. But here's the thing, Chewy, you could go on, but the point is you're stuck in the same country with the liberals. Bitch and moan about it as as much as you want. This is going to be the rest of your life and the rest of your children's lives. The, the country will always be made up of people on the far left and people on the far right. So yeah, you but it's only, it's only happened that way in the last, what, 30 years. You take back in, in say, like my, our parents' day in, in the 40s, the greatest generation that ever lived back then. They didn't tolerate crap like that. It's only come to light, you know, here in the... In, you know, in the 60s and the radicals and all that stuff. It's only come to light very recently. And so, yeah, it's it was here then, and it's probably here to stay now, and it's only going to get worse, you know. Well, you know, we got, I hear you. There's such a thing as free thinkers, and there's such a thing as free thinkers, and there's such a thing as, as uh, doing what you feel is right. But, you know, to just rub it in the face just because you can, you know, that's... that's well, I, I got to, I got to tell you, Chewy, I disagree with you on practically everything. But one thing I, I but one thing I do agree with you is the fact that we have become a society of very confrontational and aggressive and mean spirited uh, people, and it seems like everything that we do to make a point, we seem to want to squish it in the face of the. And I agree with you. That's not any way for dignified people to behave, regardless of what side of the argument you're on. So let me mark this down on my calendar. Fuck you. Thanks for calling, Chewy. I'll speak to you soon. Chewy Chitlins, you know, I disagree with his politics, but I do agree. And this is, you know, this is what we do. This is how civilized people behave. We find a common point, and between Chewy and I, it's the common point is um, that disagree, if you will, but this guy who wants to change his name to fuck censorship really wants to, uh, really intends to offend people and really wants to push this into people's face because uh, he feels like he's not getting his point. And while I, while I may agree with his politics, I agree with Chewy Chitlin's. Um, that that's not the way dignified people behave. We 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 really have to. Um, uh, you know, I hate to use this word tolerance and tolerate because we shouldn't tolerate things that are intolerable. If Chewy called up and said there was no Holocaust, I would say you're an idiot, and I don't have to listen to anything else you say. Um, but. He didn't. He said something, you know, that he has a strong opinion about. I'm, not, you know, uh, the jury is still out on whether or not, you know, uh, society is worse or, li- or the liberal mentality is worse. Um, uh, you know, I think that this bullshit about oh, we've only seen this in the past thirty years and America was great. You know, when our uh, parents uh, uh, ran the country. You know, I think that's horseshit. I think things are getting much better. And uh, to say that it was a better time, that was also the time that uh, uh, black people couldn't, you know, eat lunch at the counter with white people. Was that a good thing, too? So, obviously, some things have improved.
But I do think that uh, men of goodwill um, do uh, conduct their intercourse with uh, dignity and respect. And I would like to see a little bit more than you know of that going around. Don't touch that. That will be back to say goodnight. Am I just a miscreation? No one knows the truth. There are no. There's no future here. Dar Williams. Corporate towns, I know every TV set that has them lit. They preach that I should save the world. They pray that I won't do a better job of it. Pray that I won't do a better job. So tonight I turned your station on just so I'd be understood. Instead, another voice said I was just too late and just no good. Calling Olson, calling Memphis, I am calling. Can you hear this? I was out here listening all the time, and I will write this down, and then I will not be alone again. I was out here listening. Yeah, I was out here listening all the time. Dar Williams, 
on Jester Radio. You've been listening to the ravings of a clown this Saturday, June the 28th. And, you know, I just want to say we're running a little over and I got to go. But I just want to say that this fucking dude, Chewy Chitlins, man, he is everything that we all should be more of. He's thoughtful in his argument and he's open to other people's arguments. When somebody says to you, um, I don't want to hear that shit, that's it, man. You can't go any further past that. When somebody says, you know, uh, convince me, then that's fucking somebody I can respect. And that's somebody, you know, we can, um, you know, trade uh, um, uh, thought, you know, thoughts and, and feelings with. As long as you keep, and you know, there's so much more that we have in common that we don't have in common. We're both fucking, you know, like the same, you know, taste in music, which is much more important than anybody's opinion in politics anyway. He's a funny fucking guy. He tells a funny story. The fact that he's wrong about everything doesn't diminish my opinion of him in the least. Thanks so very much for stopping by. Extra special thanks to um, Louie, who was the only one who came to the Jester Radio chat room this evening, um, and all those who tuned in uh, from around the world and sent in requests. I do hope we got to all of them. If not, stick around. We got some more on the playlist. And I know I didn't mention anybody's name, but you know who you are. So thanks for those. We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. That's my solemn oath to you. Until that time, Eustace, our day will come, and we'll have everything. Good night. See you tomorrow. Our day will come, and we'll have everything. We'll share the joy,
drops for one heart to carry. 